Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Optimal Wealth Podcast, where we discuss creating passive income through real estate. Our mission is to help educate investors on how to grow wealth and invest passively. My name is Jared Alexander, and I am a passive investor, currently in six syndications as a limited partner. I am also the founder of Optimal Equity Group, which is a real estate investment firm that was created primarily to help educate the passive investor. We do that in a couple of different ways. One is we provide education to help give you the confidence to get into the passive investing space. And two, each episode, we will interview amazing guests that explore the strategies, insights, and secrets used by successful investors. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out on your real estate journey, this podcast is designed to help give you the confidence and knowledge you need to make informed and profitable decisions. Welcome to another episode of the Optimal Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Alexander, and today I'm super excited to dive deep into the space of multifamily with our guest, Zach Habenstahl. Zach, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much, Jared. Really excited to, to be on the show here. I know we've known each other for several years. You've been an investor with us, and, and thanks for having me on, man. Really looking forward to it. Absolutely. Well, yeah, thanks for joining us today. And and yeah, just excited to uh, dive deep and you know, talk multifamily, right? Talk about, you know, your your journey and how you got in the space of real estate and how you've grown your company over the past five years. And and with that, just a little little history on, on Zach here. Um, I'm going to let you tell most of it here, Zach, but he's a Phoenix native, very impressive resume. Uh, CEO, co-founder of Rise 48 Equity, Rise 48 Communities, and Rise 48 Construction, overseeing $1.4 plus billion under asset management. I put plus because I think that number has probably went up a little, Zach, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's increased a little bit. But I, I don't know. We don't keep track of it. That's good enough, right? Okay. A billion dollars in, in under asset management is pretty pretty impressive there. So especially within what, five years, right? Yeah. Um, and then, Hey, real quick, before we get started, I got to say, I was, uh, I was driving my, um, daughter, my two-year-old to, a to a doctor's appointment, poor girl. She had, a um, had to go get some allergy tests and, you know, that's never a fun thing. They got a scraper and prick yeah. and all that. But anyway, so we're driving to that. And as I'm, I'm headed down to 51 going South towards downtown, as I get off my exit, right there um i think it's on 7th street and like bethany home or over there i see rise what is that rise 48 at the loft um, yeah okay so, yeah yeah see one of your apartment complexes there and then i'm headed back south or going you know headed north on the 51 and then i see your rise 48 um adopt a highway yeah right um, yeah advertising there so yeah just wanted to, to oh, highlight I, that I, I, I thanks for telling me it's good to know that the the marketing is working. That's good feedback. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. That the marketing is definitely working for sure. The funny thing is, Jared, real quick, I don't want to get off track, but we looked a couple of years ago, we looked into billboards and these billboards are like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. If you run them all year in Phoenix, it's crazy. The adopt a highway sign was like three or four grand for like two years. You wow. Know, and you get like thousands of cars drive by today. So anyways, if you're looking for a promote your company, I I highly recommend the adopt the highway strategy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, three to four thousand. I mean, and we know how many people drive up and down that fifty one. And actually, I've seen seen it on the one on one as well. So I mean, yeah, we got a few of them. Yeah, 
Yeah, That's two good. major freeways here in in Phoenix, um, which is actually where yeah Zach and I are Zach and I are at here. So, all right, well yeah, it's a little sidebar there, but yeah, back on track. So Zach, if you could give us a little bit more about your background and and how you got into real estate. Yeah, thanks so much, Jared. So yeah, I mean, I was born and raised here in Phoenix. You know, just grew up in like a you know typical lower middle class family. No real estate background. You know, no no family wealth or rich uncle or anything like that. And so. I uh I went to school. Um, I wanted to be a football player. I had a Division two football scholarship. You know, I went to a small school to play football, and then you know, realized I wasn't going to go to the NFL. Went to get a journalism degree um, at Arizona State University to be a sports reporter and journalist, and you know, and, and was a like a you know like a, a live news anchor on Arizona PBS for a short time at a program through the school so I was on like live TV and I hosted a show on Fox Sports Network Arizona which was you know cool at first and then I just quickly realized like this isn't what I thought it was going to be when it's your job it's one thing to be a sports fan um versus it being your job and you don't hardly make any money you know I had student debt you know my parents couldn't afford to you know help me with college so I was working full time you know nights and weekends to pay for school and so, um, you know, I got the journalism degree because I didn't want to do that and I needed to make money. So I went to healthcare marketing, working for a hospice company here in Phoenix, kind of an odd job, you know, worked my way up from a marketer, director of marketing, became a president and co-owner of this, this hospice organization, you know, got my MBA and was fortunate to make good money at a young age, you know, be making six figures in my early twenties, buy a house, pay off all my debt. But I was miserable because I felt like I had golden handcuffs. I wasn't fulfilling my true potential. Everybody told me I had a great job, a great life, and I felt like I wasn't fulfilled. And so um, in January, 2018, I didn't know anything about real estate or syndication, um, but I was just intrigued with real estate in general. And I had heard the whole concept of like passive income, you know, financial freedom, you know, all the cliches everybody's heard of, right? And so January, 2018, which is now over six years ago, I quit my job. I I sold the equity I had in that company. My my goal was to live off of savings to figure out how to make money in real estate. And I was not thinking of multifamily or syndication at all, Jared. I wasn't. I didn't even know about that stuff. I was actually looking at like flipping houses event initially, and then I I basically took a few months where I was just trying to dive in and learn as much about real estate. And I quickly realized how overwhelming um, and expansive the industry is. Right. And so real estate is just so many different things you could do. And so, you know, I started to learn about um, I realized I don't want to flip homes. It's very transactional. I started to learn about syndication, the whole concept that, you know, I can leverage my time to, you know, help other people deploy their money. And then I can earn sweat equity, you know, for doing that, because I, I had almost like 300 K that I had relentlessly saved over those years that I was just burning through. And I was like, I've worked so hard, done well in this job. And now I feel like a failure because I'm burning through all this money. I want to like do something big. I want to launch all this money, like a missile at some big goal to take myself to the next level. And I kept trying to figure out what can I do with this little pot of money, which I thought I thought was a lot of money until you get into real estate, you realize it's nothing, you know, two, 300 K is nothing. It doesn't go very far, especially in commercial. And that's when I realized, you know, I can't just be using my own money. I need to partner and leverage other people's money. And the whole idea of syndication was really attractive to me because that kind of clicked. I was like, that's how I can scale. You know, I can go, so I can build something really big and I'm benefiting other people. Um, and 
you know, kind of leveraging my time and and eventual expertise when I learn how to do this, you know, how to how to benefit them. And so I was looking at mobile home parks initially, trying to, you know, do mobile home parks. And then I finally, I finally settled on multifamily. And I really liked multifamily because I just thought it was a more attractive asset class overall for general investors to understand and to want to invest in. I liked the fact that, you know, you know, apartments aren't going anywhere. Um, you can increase the rents um, to increase the value. So that's when I really settled on it. Long story short, it took 14 months when I quit the job to to buy the first apartment building. And it was a 36 unit, three and a half million dollar deal in here in central Phoenix. And then, you know, I met a couple of my business partners along the way at a conference, um, you know, during that time. And, you know, we bought that first deal. I put my, all, my, all my money into it. So I was dead broke. You know, I had to sell my house to get more money to go tie up new deals. We started to then syndicate deals, raise money. And one thing led to another, you know, we just kept grinding along. And now, you know, we've purchased 48 different properties over 1.8 billion of, of real estate, you know, almost 9,000 units. We started a property management company, a construction management company, as you mentioned, you know, we have over 240 plus full-time W2 employees. Um, we're based here in Phoenix. And then we also have an office in Dallas. And so, you know, I go back and forth between Phoenix and Dallas, and those are our two markets right now. But, you know, we've been fortunate to kind of, you know, build out the company and we just stay laser focused on value add multifamily investing. We don't do development. We don't do self-storage or any asset class. We're only buying existing um, highly occupied cash flowing assets. And so, you know, we've sold 11 of those deals now. Um, we've renovated thousands of units and we've really kind of learned a lot of the, you know, trial and error of, of operating a business like this. And you know, the last 18 months, we've been going through this interest rate storm, right? And we've learned a lot about how, you know, you need to adapt operationally to kind of get through the storm. We've learned a lot about how to properly communicate with investors. Um, and and we're in a good spot, you know, fortunately, uh, which a lot of people can't say. So, yeah. so that's kind of how we got to where we are now, you know, and, and so it's, it feels like it's been like 10 or 15 years, but it's crazy. It's only been six years, um, you know, since I kind of started on that, that journey. Yeah. Well, and and I and I tell you, Zach, I can see why it's seemed like ten or twelve years. And just like you mentioned, I'm an investor of yours. I mean, I'll send you an email sometimes, and I'll get a response. You know, after after business hours, um, you know, and and it just shows you the dedication, hard work you put into to growing Rise Forty Eight, and you know the the business in the past five years, because you don't get to you know, uh, 48 properties, right. Without, without a lot of hard work. And I want to back up real quick though, to, you know, the golden handcuffs you talked about, right. Cause you know, we, we grow up, it's, it's, you know, our society, you know, they teach us, Hey, get a degree, you know, go to, well, get, you know, graduate high school, get it a college degree, find a job, work at it for 40 plus years, you know, retire at age of 65. And hopefully you got enough money to, um, to live off of for the rest of that time. Right. Right. And, and, you know, with you and Isaac, you know, a lot of people, you know, making six figures, right. You know, they, they like to be in our shoes, but they, they don't realize, I mean, like being a commission salesman, I mean, you, you get, you get paid on what you sell, right. That's it's not right. like you're just nope. salary base a hundred percent. So like when me yep. and my, my, you know, sales, I'm a hundred percent. Right. So yeah, it's, 100%. You know, I know how that goes. Yeah. I, I, yep. I, I know that feeling. Yeah. 
And and it's so easy to just get tied into it. it's like you're you're making good money and you can live a good lifestyle off that. But at the same time to to grow and just get past that, you know, it's like that there's like another little threshold. It's like another level there. Yep. That's that, and that's why they call it the golden handcuffs, right? Because it's just enough to keep us in that hamster wheel, right? Yep. That's right. Yeah. And and this is one of the reasons, you know, I started looking at multifamily myself and and kind of what you mentioned, Zach. I mean, there's so many different streams and and avenues you can go down in real estate. You know, I mean, I, I started out in single family. We bought a rental out of state and then I was going to, you know, I, I realized how how many single family homes I would have to buy in order to scale to the degree I, I wanted to and, and, and replace my, I mean, like you mentioned time freedom, right? That's the goal. I just want more time freedom. So, you know, fast forward, I came across, you know, um, syndications and, and decided to, to go all in and yeah, I've done, you know, quite a few investments with you, but let's transition into you got, you, you started rise 48, what led, I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit, so you, you chose multifamily. I mean, and I, I just got to point out real quick, driving by some of these properties, you see the, the I've seen the pictures of the units inside, like they, they upgrade these stainless steel appliances. So not only are they a good investment opportunity, but they're creating a better um, living space for tenants, right? I mean, stainless steel appliances, granite countertops, new flooring, upgraded paint, and y'all keep yep. it. You know, I like what y'all do is you keep it simple throughout your whole portfolio. I mean, it's the same for what you do on pretty much every apartment complex, right? That's right. Yeah. Rinse and yeah. repeat. That's right. Rinse and repeat. So, well, Zach, let's go a little bit into, uh, you know, this podcast is tailored to the uh, passive investor. So, saving investors just getting, looking out at getting started in this space and they see Rise 48 and see Zach, you know, and say, hey, I'm going to set up a call with Zach. You know, what, what can they expect on a phone call? What questions do they need to ask? Um, what, what does that process look like there? Yeah. Great, great question, Jared. Yeah. And, and I mean, most of our, you know, investors are coming from like referrals from somebody's invested or they find us online or whatever they want to set up a call. And so typically I'll start out the call and I'll say, Hey, tell me, you know, Hey Jared, tell me about your background and, and some of your investment goals. Like, what are you looking to achieve? Right. And, and, and you know, it's very common, you know, most of our investors are, W-2 workers um, who are making, you know, good money um, or they've been working on, you know, an above average job for a long time, saving their money, you know, business owners, you know, people like that. And so uh, most of them want to diversify away from the stock market. Right. And they they want to, you know, start to earn passive income and really have some type of goal or runway towards being able to eventually quit their job where they're not having to rely on that W-2 income. And so, um, basically, you know, I still take calls with individual investors, and I think that's really important. And these are typically at least 30 to 40 minute calls. I just took three of them yesterday with new investors, for example, and 30 to 40 minutes, you know, one of them was like almost an hour. And I basically go through our background, um, you know, our, our track record of buying deals, selling deals. I give them realistic expectations of how long investment periods are looking to be for new deals right now. Because the first, you know, 11 deals we bought, we sold them and doubled the money in like a year and a half. And I tell people that's not realistic. We never projected it on the front end. And we don't think it's going to happen, you know, going forward because of interest rates, the economy. 
And then I tell them about, you know, our infrastructure operations as far as the staff and the companies, um, you know, how we, we, we structure everything from property management, construction management, supply chain. I talk about our business plan. And then I go into um, the actual structure of the investment. I tell them, ex explain to them, you know, the five-year projected investment horizon. I talk about the return metrics that we're typically projecting. I talk about the structure, like what their preferred return is. What is the GPLP split? How much actual cash flow they can they achieve? Can they expect to receive in year one? You know, and, and how that all works. And then I talk about you know the investor experience after we close when we've acquired the property. Like this is what your reporting looks like. This is what your distributions look like. Here's how we'll handle the tax implications and the K ones. And then I'll kind of ask them, you know, what is your you know, what is your timeline? Are you looking to deploy capital soon or maybe, you know, a few months down the road? And I'll explain kind of the process of how to invest. You know, we're, now that we have the call, establish this relationship, we'll put you on our list. Uh, we'll send out an email. And if you're interested, you can fill out, you can fill out a soft commit, sign the docs, wire the funds. And then I'll typically always follow up that call with like a past performance overview deck um, that kind of goes through the history of our company, kind of summarizes the call, you know, and gives that. So that's kind of the a typical process. And then they'll, a lot of them, you know, we, we, we know how to answer a lot of these questions on the front end, you know, just by kind of going through the structure, it, it kind of answers a lot of their questions, but if they have any other questions, they can ask those, you know, afterwards, but that's kind of the process typically. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing that. And, and if you don't mind, just add into, cause you know, well, like for example, back in 2020 to 2021, you know, 18 months to two year span, I mean, I mean, it was just on fire, right? I mean, y'all were turning these deals in 18 months to 24 months, you know. I mean, I think you did what 10 or 11 deals in that in that time period, right? Or or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, it was very attractive, right? And and as right. an investor, you're looking at, oh man, these are exciting numbers, right? Doubling my money in two years, you know, and getting to take advantage of all the tax benefits, right? I mean, super right. attractive. You know, there's nowhere else are you really finding those type of returns and with the with the risk as mitigated as it is i mean it's a real estate right brick and mortar asset you know we can drive by these cm touch them right all that good stuff so you know no, so knowing what we know now with some of these interest rates right it, can you talk about you know um maybe some some projections that you had that didn't go as expected and and, and really just anything, you know, investors need to be aware of as a risk. Cause like as an investor myself, I want to know, Hey, it's, it's great to hear all the returns, but what are the risks involved? Um, but of course, besides the risk of, I mean, it's an investment, right? Of course, worst yeah. case scenario, you can lose all your money, but some of the more realistic risk, you know, again, this is a risk mitigated investment. So right. if you could just touch on, touch on that a little bit for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So basically, you know, as many people know, in March of 2022, the Fed began to aggressively increase interest rates and they did 11 consecutive interest rate hikes, uh, which was the most drastic increase in interest rates in over 40 years, you know, since the 1980s. And this had a, you know, a big impact on the economy as a whole. They were basically inflation was running, you know, rampant over 99%. They needed to get it back down. So they drastically started to increase rates. And you know, this affected all types of businesses. Um, you know, office space is pretty much done. You know, a ton of commercial office space is just getting foreclosed on across the country. You know, you had multiple banks collapse last year. 
which you haven't seen since 2008, 2009. That was all really due to interest rates. And then, you know, it affected, of course, multifamily. And so with these multifamily value add loans, the majority of of the loans used for the value add strategy across the country the last, you know, three to five years have been floating rate loans. And the majority of owners of these properties are large private equity uh, firms like institutions, hedge funds, things like that. And so, you know, we, we are a private equity company and we follow the same type of model. And so basically, you know, at the time, like second half of 21, early 2022, you know, we were putting these, these floating rate loans on these deals and we were buying a three-year interest rate cap, right? And most people were buying like a one or two-year cap. And a lot of those groups are, are, have been in trouble and feeling the stress or distress of the market. We were buying three-year caps um, but we were buying a max interest rate cap somewhere between five and a half to six and a half percent. Okay. When we were buying the deal, our rate was like low to mid 3%. And in the model, we were, we were assuming interest rates would increase one to 2% in the first two years, because that's what all of the indications were, you know, from the fed and, you know, Chatham financial, which is like an institutional finance tool that a lot of people use. Yeah. Um, so we were, we felt like we were being conservative projecting interest rates would increase. But the problem is, is that they increased so quickly that within a matter of months after buying some of these deals, you know, we assumed it'd go from like three to four or 5% in the first two years when it went from three to like six or six and a half percent all the way up to our cap in a matter of three to six months. Okay. So what that happens is your debt service just increases significantly. And this happened across the country. And a lot of these deals start to negatively cash flow. Right. And so basically what started to become very common in the second half of 22 across the country and with us is that you have to pause distributions because you have to preserve liquidity at the property level. And so in 2023, we had a, a big push to renovate units at a faster pace. So you renovated almost 2000 units in 2023, drastically increased the rents to increase the net operating income and the revenue to get a lot of these deals back to positive cash flow. So ever since we started, you know, even when we sold deals that were like, you know, 18 months, double the money, every single deal we've ever bought, we do a five-year horizon. Okay. So even the deals that we bought in 2021, we told investors in the model, we're going to sell this deal in 2026. Right. And so um, none of these projections, you know, have not met what they were supposed to um, because we're still, we've sold the first 11 deals, the longest deal that we've owned, we bought it in June of 21. So we're coming up on year three of what was a five-year projection. Now, when we were buying those deals, like you said, Jerry, because the market was so hot, a lot of investors thought, hey, we could probably get, sell this thing in 18, 24 months, right? And, and you know, we, we love to ride that wave all we can, and we would if we could, but as rates go up, values go down, okay? So there's like a, there's like a, um, an inverted correlation there. Um, and so, in the short term, values are down across the country because interest rates are high. So now is a good time to buy deals if you can find them. It's very hard to find deals. In 2023, you had less transactions in multifamily across the United States um, than any year since like 2008, 2009. Okay, and it's because I mean the last time we sold a deal was July of 2022, right after rates started to go up. Because yeah. we're not going to sell a deal and give a buyer a discount in the short term. You know what I mean? We're going to hold through this. So when rates come back down, values go up, then we sell. So think of it kind of like a stock where we want to buy low, sell high, yeah. right? So right now when values are down, it doesn't make sense to sell 
the only people that are really selling are groups that either are facing some type of distress or motivation, or they bought the deal a while ago and they have a low basis and they can still sell and make a little bit of money. So last year we bought deals where one deal we bought, um, literally the seller, and they were much bigger than us, been around a lot longer than us. Um, we bought the deal for just over the loan amount. So they wiped out all their investor equity. All the investors lost their money. Uh, we bought deals where their interest rate cap was going to expire the next month. And so they had to sell at a low basis just before that interest rate came up because they they weren't able to refinance the loan. And they also you know, didn't have the capital to buy a new interest rate cap. Uh, we bought deals where the loan was about to mature. And so you are seeing these opportunities where it's a good time to buy right now. But, you know, those deals that we were buying in second half of 21, early 22, before those rates shot up, you know, our biggest mistake is we should have bought lower interest rate caps so that there was no delta between the in-place rate and where the cap was. You know, in hindsight's 2020, it, it happened literally across the country. I mean, you've got billions of dollars worth of loans facing the, the same challenge. And so after the second interest rate hike in May of 2022, we realized, okay, the writing's on the wall. The Fed is going to aggressively keep hiking these rates. So we adjusted our underwriting to buy much lower interest rate caps up front so that we were hitting our max cap day one and there's significant positive cash flow. Started to raise even more reserves um, and we took lower leverage loans. So like the last 13 deals we bought since September of 22 till now, all those deals are positively cash flowing and they're all distributing every single month. And we're actually now starting to increase distributions as we head into year two of those those investments. So we were able to adjust and adapt to the interest rate environment. It's just that the deals we bought right before those rates shot up, you know, caught us by surprise and caught everybody by surprise. And so we're telling investors, hey, you know, these are going to be more like at least three to five year investments because we have to weather the storm and, you know, wait until rates come back down. Because when rates come down, values will go back up. Then we're in a position to refinance, you know, or sell those deals. And so, yeah, those will be longer term holds more in line with like the five-year projection you know, that we were initially showing investors. But yeah, it just goes to show you, like you said, no matter what you're investing in, um, you just got to be aware of, you know, different market conditions um, that can, you know, kind of be in play. And and there is there is no, like a lot of people like to say, oh, it's recession-proof um, investment. Yeah. That's BS, right? It doesn't exist. Right. Um, otherwise, everybody would do that, right? Yeah. And everybody would be rich. Um, and so there's, all kinds of investments that you know have different variables but overall i think that if you're structuring the debt the right way um and you're able to execute the plan the existing value add space can be a very you know conservative type of investment class yeah well no thank, thanks for clarifying that and and again like you said hindsight is 2020 right you know you don't know what you don't know but the reason you know um i've invested with rise 48 and zach here is because, you know, they get out in front of, you know, in, in front of it. So as they started going through this turbulent time, right, the communications, y'all were doing webinars, you know, educating the investors on what's going on, what are y'all doing moving forward, your project, you know, and so as an investor, you know, I, I appreciate that, right? I mean, I can't expect everything to go as planned, right? But I want an operator that's going to be transparent with me tell me when things don't go as planned and what they're going to do about it moving forward. Right. And yeah. again, that's what I like about, you know, Zach and, and, and rise 48 there. And another thing too, is I think this has helped as well. I mean, you know, you you touched on just pumping out these renovations on all these, on all these properties here on these, you know, throughout your portfolio, 
you know, that's due to their in-house, um, as you heard, you know, the, the rise construction, the rise 48 construction, they have in-house construction, in-house property management. So, I mean, Zach, I know you have warehouses of, of, you know, the materials, right. Pretty much supply houses of, of everything y'all need to, so y'all can be really efficient and hammering out these. Cause we've, we've seen, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm in the construction industry as well. And right. I, you, you see things are back ordered. It takes time to get stuff. Labor costs have gone up. I mean, that's a huge benefit to be able to be in control of over all that. Right. When yeah. you do, yeah. When you do have, you know, no, it's own, huge. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. You're right. I mean, yeah. I mean, most groups use third-party property management and third-party construction management, which there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but, and we used to do it ourselves, but, you know, we were fortunate that we started our own property management company, our own construction company, started to control our own supply chain before any of these interest rate challenges came. So we already had the vertical integration and kind of the streamlined operational approach where we have full control over all of our assets because all of those on-site maintenance, leasing managers is all of our W-2 employees. Right. So if somebody's not performing, we'll fire them. You know, yeah. if, if we need to adjust a, a compensation structure to incentivize somebody to perform better, we will do that. Um, whereas when you're using third party, you just have less control. It makes things more difficult. Um, and I think we've seen that, you know, across the country, you've seen this big divide between the, the stronger operators and the operators that aren't performing as well. And a lot of them have third parties they're using and it just makes it more difficult. And so we're grateful that we had kind of done that, you know, on the front end and built that infrastructure out. Cause I think it's very difficult to start a property manager company. Um, you know, it's not a high profit margin business. You know, we, we didn't break even for like 10 or 11 months, you know, and that's normal for property management. You really do it for control and uh, improve operations so that you can get better outcomes, you know, for investors. And when investors are happy, they keep investing with you. And then that helps the, the investment company, which is the high profit margin business. And so, so yeah, I mean, having that infrastructure has given us really operational advantage. Um, and I can tell you, say to this date, we've never done a capital call. We don't plan on doing any capital calls this year and, um, or next year, you know, in 2024, 2025 and capital calls have become extremely common across the country you know, everybody's doing it. Um, there's people foreclosing on properties right now. We've never missed a debt service payment. You know, we're in good standing with all of our lenders. And so a big part of that is having infrastructure where what you'll see when you start to talk to groups, and again, there's not a right or wrong way, but we've seen the difference is that most groups that are syndicators, a lot of them don't even live in the same market. They're buying deals. Um, even fewer of them have their own employees and most of them are using third parties. Well, for us, you know, we have a corporate office here in North Scottsdale in the Phoenix area. We have a we have a corporate office in downtown Dallas and everybody has to show up to the office or to their property, you know, during business hours, Monday through Friday. We don't allow remote working um, and there's a level of accountability and discipline that we've tried to establish, you know, where this is like a true private equity firm. You know, you're not at your house, you know, trying to act like you're working. Right. Uh, and, and we just don't believe that remote work is is effective for this type of business because it's real estate. You know, you got to get out and touch it. And, and like you said, touch it, feel it and be interacting with your clients, which are the residents. And, and so, yeah, so I think that's been a big part of it is that we've tried to create true infrastructure, you know, a true company where you got to show up and, you know, there's standards that, that need to be met. And that th I think that that has translated to the 
performance of the assets. Right. I like how you talk about the standards and the accountability that, you know, you hold your team to and, and the employees as well. But I, I will share on the other side of that is they are super giving as well. Like I, I, you know, follow them on Facebook, Instagram. I mean, they're steadily holding parties, uh, group, you know, employee events for, you know, their uh, team building, stuff like that. So, you know, they, they, you definitely take care of your employees as well, which yeah, and you appreciate you take care of people. They want to, they want to do right by you. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause I was, you know, I've been an employee. I mean, I didn't start mm-hmm. as a business owner. I was always an employee. And what we realized is like, you know, top, top caliber employees know that they're top caliber and they want to be compensated accordingly. They want to have a good culture mm-hmm. and see how we cover. We're kind of unique that we have, we cover a hundred percent of all of our employees, medical, dental, vision, um, healthcare benefits, and then 50% of all their dependents. You know, we have a 401k program, we match 3%. You know, we do parties, we do all staff meetings, we do a monthly team lunch. So we do all these things, you know, and the people that perform and do their job, they appreciate that. They know they can make more money here than most other, anybody else in the industry. Um, But they also understand if I don't perform, you know, then I'm not gonna be here. And so I think it's just kind of having that fine line um, and that's how you create a strong team, you know, is like, you got to get rid of the weak ones and you got to develop and build the, the strong people that, you know, want to have a good attitude and want to work hard. And so that's kind of the key for us. When you're looking at the operators and doing your due diligence, you know, you always hear about that no like, and trust factor, right? And Zach, you know, getting to, getting to know you over these past few years, you know, definitely build that, that trust factor for sure. I mean, Hence why I've, you know, invested, you know, with you and your company. No, thanks. We appreciate it, man. Yeah. And, and I mean, and again, you know, the, it's just, you find somebody that like that, they, you know, they're transparent with you. They have the communication. Thanks again for walking us through that call, Zach, because you want somebody, whoever you decide to to have a phone call with, you know, an operator you're doing some due diligence with or a discovery call, you you want somebody to ask you, what are your goals, right? What are you looking for? Because I imagine, Zach, sometimes you hop on the phone with people and you're like, this is not the right investment for you, right? That's why I started doing that, Jared. I used to take these calls four or five years ago. I learned from experience. That's why like, I have like a a spiel that I go through on Mm -hmm. schedule because it anticipates and answers most of their questions. Right. But I used to kick these calls off and just start sputtering everything about us. And then I would realize I just wasted my time because this guy is not going to invest or they don't have the money or they're not type of profile or they're not even looking to invest. Maybe it's a vendor. So that's why I always start off. Tell me about your goals and what you want to do. And I want to make sure it's a good fit. And if it seems like the type of, you know, person that, you know, invests with us frequently, then I know, okay, I'm not going to waste your time. You're not going to waste my time. And we'll go dive deep into the details and, you know, give them a full overview. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, and, and, you know, and I just want to touch on one thing, you know, whenever you were talking about the interest rates rising and, and pause and distributions, right? I mean, investors need to understand when you're getting into these deals, first of all, this is an e-liquid investment, meaning in that five-year hold period, you know, that they're projecting in the business plan, you don't have access to that money. So if you need that money to pay mortgage or live off of this, like, you know, that's what happens in a discovery call. This is not the right investment for you. Right. And, you know, and the same thing with the distributions, right? It's like, Hey, you pause distributions. Yeah. You, you know, it'd be nice to have them coming in monthly, but I I don't need that money to live off of. You know, it's just definitely things you need to consider before, 
before getting in, you know, involved in, in the, you know, syndication, primarily multifamily in this example. So yeah, again, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for clarifying that Zach and, and, and diving into, you know, I, I think just a real quick highlight on vertically integrated, right? I mean, that, that is huge. And I think that's a big reason why y'all are still performing, you know, and you got the, the strength with your team and employees there to, yeah, to kind of weather the storm, right. On some of these deals that, you know, got hit yeah. with those floating rate. Definitely. So, Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, uh, well, let's transition into what I call the fire round here, Zach. Let's do it. So if you could recommend a book on real estate for investors just starting out and another book that is particularly good for cultivating a positive mindset. I think that if you're just getting into it, was it the ABCs of investing by Ken McElroy? Ken that's McElroy. Yeah. yeah. I read that one when I was first starting. So I think that's a good one. ABCs of investing. I think it's what it called by Ken McElroy. And then, and then the other one was getting, getting into a, like a positive mindset. Yeah. Like a mindset book. Yeah. I mean, there's so many good ones out there, you know, lately, I listen to a lot of like, uh, I listen to Can't Hurt Me over and over by David Goggins. Um, he's like a former Navy SEAL. I listen cool. to Winning and Relentless by Tim Grover. He was like the former personal trainer for Michael Jordan and Kobe. Yeah. Like when I'm working out, I'll just listen to certain chapters over and over just to kind of develop like a warrior mindset. Yeah. It's more of like, if you want to like, you know, if you're going through some stuff and you need to have like the tough mindset, you know, to endure. I think that how to think and grow rich is like a timeless classic, right? Uh, by Napoleon Hill. Um, that's a good positive mindset. When I listened to that over and over when I was trying to start this company to just try to envision and, you know, take the steps necessary to get to that next level. No, it's super important. You probably know more than anybody, Zach. I mean, being in this space, there's those days where you're just like, I don't want to keep doing this. Like this is, it's hard. It's hard work to yeah. day in and day out. Right. And and so these books and, you know, this, I mean, what do they say? It's like 80% mindset, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta have your mind right. And, and it's all, it also comes down to like having good personal habits, like make sure you have a consistent exercise regimen, you're eating well, you're staying hydrated, you're getting enough sleep. All these things will contribute to your, your mental well-being and your emotional well-being, which allows you to, I call it, mental and emotional endurance. So you can keep grinding, overcoming challenges um, and, and get through adversity. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, that, that'll be kind of a segue into my next question is, so what's a daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Yeah, I mean, I drink, I drink at least like one and a half to two gallons of water a day. So I stay super hydrated. You know, I, I, I eat the same breakfast every single morning. So I basically eat like egg whites, turkey, bacon, piece of toast with um, almond butter, um, protein shake, you know, I work out, you know, four times a week, like on Sundays, I'll work out for like five or six straight hours. And I just really try wow. to like kill myself, um, like cardio wise. So get my mind ready for any challenges I'll, I'll endure during the week. So I'm really big on just sticking to my routine of working out, um, you know, hydration, eating this, eating clean, because all these things contribute to your energy you know, and your mental mindset. And then I just always, you know, don't, don't get too high or too low, you know, just try to stay consistent um, because then you can, you can overcome a lot of stuff. And, you know, as we've grown and you start to have staff and employees and a team, you realize that all eyes are on you at all times. So if you show weakness, your people will see that, 
you know, and if you're, if you seem frantic or stressed, they'll see that. But it also, it works in the opposite direction. If you're positive and you're bringing that energy and you're hungry and you're working hard and you're showing up and you're the last one to leave, which I'm always the last one to leave this office every single day. Like I literally will not leave. If there's another car in the parking lot, I'll just wait. Um, and you know, all of these little things, they start to matter, you know, and you can kind of lead by example. So these are all the things like if you don't get your yourself right, then you cannot lead other people, you know, and help them to get to get themselves right. And so I think that all these things are, you know, really important for me. Real quick, what are you doing cardio for five hours? Are you just running or? Well, no, it's not just straight cardio. So basically yeah. I, I do deep stretching for an hour and then I do like a, a pretty in-depth core workout. And then I do 50 minutes of an intense stair stepper. I got the highest setting and then yeah. I, I stretch again. And then I go to the gym and I do a leg workout. Uh, like my way work out like so i'll try to do all that on sundays um because it, i just don't have time during the week to do that yeah you know and so and yeah i mean it's just i tell people like you know like this isn't this doesn't apply to all companies or entrepreneurs but like you know to grow and to maintain you know a high level of performance you know it's it's like a a lifestyle you know and it's a sacrifice that you have to make like my partner Bikron and I, we're here at this office 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. every night, Monday through Thursday. No exaggeration. And we'll leave out 7 p.m. on Fridays, but we keep our operations staff. We have a 3 to a 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. meeting every Friday, you know, and, and we go through every single asset. And so, you know, we keep them here to grind through it. Um, and, you know, and they're highly paid. You know, they make more money than anywhere else they'll make in the industry and they like working here. But it's just kind of that you know, that, that dedication and we love to do it, but it's a lifestyle, you know? So, you know, I may not be able to go to family events that other people go to, you know, other stuff like that. And so um, that's kind of what we like to do where we're fully committed, you know, to the company because it's not just our, our company. It's, it's, it's really like our life. Yeah. Well, there you go, folks. Yeah. The dedicated hard work, right? This path is not easy, but it's definitely rewarding, you know? Yeah. So that's awesome, Zach. Well, um, I'm going to just skip to my last question here to be respectful of your time, Zach, if you could be remembered for one thing, what would that be? Yeah, honestly, I just, I want to be remembered as like, if I'm fortunate enough to like inspire other people, um, and have helped them, you know, like I want to be in, I want to be an impression. Like, so like I, I'm Christian, you know, I believe Jesus Christ, my Lord and savior. And I, every morning I pray on the way to work, like while I'm driving, you know, which may not you know, may, may not may not be like what most people do, but I, I always pray and I say, you know, Lord, give me the strength and the courage and determination to inspire other people, you know, and the people around me. And so that's what I'm trying to do is, you know, whether it's our our team, my family, our investors, there's people that may maybe listen to this podcast and that they're trying to start their own company or, you know, they're going through tough times. Like I have gone through those dark times, you know, when I was broke and I went to credit card debt trying to start my company and everybody tells you, you can't do it. And then even when we start to become successful, you know, and then I have to fight the media making stuff up about me and you start to get haters and critics. So like I, I can relate to people going through adversity and I just want to be able to, you know, lead an example and hopefully help inspire them to kind of pursue their goals. That's the biggest thing because I've known that I've, I've drawn inspiration from other people that I don't even know. They don't know me. They don't know what they've done for me just by listening to their book or whatever it is. And so if I can do that, 
that's kind of a cool thing because you know it it makes a difference and you don't know how big it could be it could be huge you know it's kind of the cool thing yeah no that's awesome zach and you know there's no question you're doing that so and we'll be continuing to do that as well so that's yeah no that's awesome well Thanks again for for joining us, Zach. I really enjoyed this conversation we had today. And if you could tell listeners uh, if they want to connect with you, where they can where they can do that at. Yeah, thanks so much, Jared. You can just go to our website, you know, rise48equity.com, or you can email me, you know, zach um, at rise48equity.com, and and uh, you know, we look forward to partnering with Jared as a fund manager. <laughs> you can invest with Jared to partner with us um, in future deals. Yeah, that's awesome. I like the call out there, Zach. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Great. Yeah. I'm sure we would definitely be partnering here in the near future. So looking forward to that as well. And and Zach, thanks again. I'm going to let you go here because I know you got another commitment, but um, and we'll be talking soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Jared. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening to the Optimal Wealth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, be sure to optimize your results and take massive action on what you have learned here today. For more, visit OptimalEquityGroup.com.